It's good to see so many this evening. We've come under this roof and to be under the sound of the Word of God. First Samuel, please, chapter 25. First Samuel, chapter 25. This one's yours. That way. Just one verse, but keep your Bibles open as we will be referring to this. First Samuel chapter 25, please. And one verse, verse 29. Verse 29. Yet a man is risen to pursue thee and to seek thy soul. But the soul of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of life with the Lord thy God. And the souls of thine enemies, them shall he sling out as out of the middle of a sling. Tremendous. One verse. Let us pray. Father, this evening we thank you that although we are unworthy of the blood, yet in grace and in mercy, you give us your only begotten and beloved Son. We thank you, Lord Jesus. You went all the way to the rugged tree. You went all the way to Calvary. That we might be saved. That we might be forgiven. That we might be blood-washed and blood-bought. Lord, that we might be adopted into thy family again. Lord, we thank you for this great salvation so full and so free. Pray this evening, Lord, that your blessing would be upon each and every head and home that is represented here this evening. For those that are watching live from around the world, we pray that you will bless them, whether it's on their Facebook or YouTube channel, Lord, that you would be with them. And may also, Lord, they hear the word of life. And be encouraged in all that is said and done tonight. If there is one or some, under the sound of my voice, we pray, Lord, that my voice would not sound any more, but that the Word of God would have free course. And the voice of the Spirit would be made known, Lord, that you would awaken and quicken the hearts of men or women, and that you would save them for time and for eternity. Lord, remember the sick among us who can't be with us. We pray your blessing upon them. For those who are away, Lord, that you would strengthen them as they take leave and have their break away. Father, we pray you'd bring them back in full health and strength. And now to that end, Lord, bless our meeting here together. Thank you for the songs of Zion. Thank you for Billy's ministry. We thank you for the group. We thank you for everything. For all things are from you and through you. In you we live and move and have our being. So, Father, may you shut us in tonight with thyself. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his glory alone. Amen. The title for this evening is simple. It is the bundle of life. The bundle of life. Now, you might think, well, the bundle of life is my life, and it can be. It's my life. It's your life. It's the life we live And it can be. But God willing and God helping me this evening, I'm going to show you that this uh, term here, the bundle of life with the Lord our God, 
uh, that bundle of life is far more than you and I could ever think or imagine ourselves. Let me tell you the story of this chapter because it would take too long to read it. David is on the run. There's a man pursuing his soul. And that is Saul, the king of Israel. He is now on the run. He's been away for some time. Some of his men with him. And here he sends ten to a man called Nabal. And he asked Nabal if he would give them food. For for some time now, he has been generous to Nabal. And he has been good to his shepherds. And they have not taken anything nor tried to arrest them for some reason but rather he's saying, would you give? We're hungry. Would you help? These 10 men go to Nabal and Nabal is angry with them. He's rough with them and he's cruel with them in the chapter and sends them away with the words, who is David? In other words, who does he think he is that he might ask anything of me? Nabal was a coarse man. We're going to look at him in a moment because Nabal is like many men many people. You find here that Abigail intercedes because the men come back and they tell David what Nabal has said and David is angry. He takes 400 men about to go down and slaughter all around him as it were. And Abigail, Nabal's wife, comes and intercedes with some food, some victuals to try and appease David's anger. And after a, a, a talk with him, he starts to settle down. And our verse tonight, in verse 29, is what she says to David. Yet a man is risen to pursue thee and to seek thy soul. She knew of Saul. But the soul of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of life with the Lord thy God. She knew who David was, realized. And the souls of thine enemies, them shall he sling out as out of the middle of a sling. I wonder, I wonder, did Abigail hear of the fame of David when he slew Goliath? I wonder, did she know about the slaying of Goliath? Because here uh, she mentions the sling and the stone. How he would take the sling with the stone and slay the giant. And this woman, Abigail, is saying to him, Look, God will do that with your enemies. You need not go down and shed blood. You need not go down and give yourself, David, a bad name in Israel. You don't want any more enemies. There's a lesson for us, brother. There's a lesson for you, sister, when our anger is built up in us because of one or some or another. Let the Lord fight your battles. Let the Lord go before you. And he will, as it were, a stone in a sling, sling out your enemies. He will deal with the situation. Leave it in the hand of God. And God will deal with that man. God will deal with that woman in his way and not in your way. The ways of the Lord are higher than our ways. And so when we leave it with the Lord, our testimony is intact and our testimony is sure. Take note here. Nabal's name 
Nebo's name simply means fool. F-O-O-L. He was a fool. It also means stupid. That's what it means. And his own wife is saying to David, listen, my husband, he's a fool. He's got folly. He's stupid. And how do you know that? Well, if you'll look at verse 25 of the chapter, please. She says, let not my Lord, I pray thee, regard. Notice her words about her own husband. She knew what he was like at home. She knew what he was like in heart. He was a tyrant to her. And he says, Let not my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial, even Nabal. For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. So what she's saying here is, My husband lives up to his name. He's a fool, he's stupid. There's folly with him. But then she is also saying something grievous. Nabal is a man of Belial. Belial means a man of wickedness, ungodliness. She's saying, my husband is, he's a man, listen, and this is the meaning of, and it sounds hard, he's a man fit for destruction. Think about this. He's a man fit for destruction. His own wife, though, is pleading for his life. Now, that's grace, isn't it? His own wife is pleading for his life, but little did Abigail or David or even Nabal know that the night he would put his head on his pillow, from this night he would have no more peace Because this was the last night he would put his head on his pillow of drunkenness. The drunkard's bed, this was his last night. And for 10 days, this man would lie and have something else to think about. For 10 solid days, he would have something more to complain about. But for 10 days, he would have been given the chance to repent This man, Nabal, he was a wicked man. Notice what it says in verse 37, please. It says, but it came to pass in the morning when the wine was gone out of Nabal and his wife had told him these things. These things are what she did for David. Gave him of Nabal's substance stood in his path and pleaded and gave of the, uh, the very riches of Nabal, as it were, and the, the, the fruit of the ground. It says that his heart died within him and he became a stone. Now, he's still not dead. He took a heart attack and he couldn't move. And the next verse says, and it came to pass about 10 days after that the Lord smote Nabal and he died. My brothers and sisters, we want to look at this man for it seems through the scripture here that this man died in this condition. 
He died in this condition. As a man of Belial. And the strange thing about it is, we would maybe think, well, when someone is close to eternity and they know it, surely they'll give their lives to Christ. Or maybe they've been afflicted and they realize, I'm not doing good here. I better get myself right with God. And there are many who are launched out into eternity without God, without Christ, without hope in the world, and they are lost for all eternity. Even in the book of Revelation, Revelation 16. Turn briefly with me to it. Revelation chapter 16. And let your eye run down, if you will. And this is what is coming upon us, the fall of Babylon the Great. Ecclesiastical Babylon, Antichrist of Rome, gathering in all other religions now, being ready and prepared for next year for their one word religion in Abu Dhabi. I don't know if you've seen it or not or heard of it. And now they're starting to set up a day coming soon in the Vatican. And you think with all the happenings that's coming upon the earth, which we're reading from here, that men would turn to Christ. And this sort of climate where our world is in and the place where our nation is, you would think they would be clinging to his garments, crying for mercy. And with this that's coming upon the earth, if you let your eye please run down to verse 21 of Revelation 16, you think that men would say, I better get right with God. It says, and there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent. Now notice, and men blaspheme God because of the plague of the hail. Men will blaspheme him even at the last minute. And many will die without Christ. I trust there's none here tonight that that will happen to. Oh, I've stood at many a grave and I've been at many a bedside. I've been there when one has just died and laid out on the floor and they're working on him and sat with them for hours. It's called the pub around the corner from where I live. And I went into the pub and everyone in the pub had run and left this man who fell off his stool, full of alcohol, full of whiskey. He had fell right off the stool at the bar, landed flat on his back, and they sent for me. And I ran round and ran in, and by that time, the first response was there, and they're cutting up his shirt, and they're pumping on his chest to, to see if they can get any sort of sign of life. But he died without Christ, and I ministered to him for three years. I trust there'll be nobody here tonight who will die without Christ. For tonight, may the Spirit minister his word to every heart. Notice here about this man, Nabal. He dies in the state he was in. I've been at the bed of an atheist. 
I've been at the bed of atheist relative. What a horrible death as he was launched out into eternity. I had a cousin who was a punk rocker all his days. Mad he was. Used to be a doorman down in Belfast. And right the last time I heard he was sick and I went to visit him, there he was, emaciated with cancer, and there he was lying in his last moments with his blue hair. And his sisters, my cousins, didn't want me to talk about Christ to him. I went home and I phoned a prayer meeting and Eunice says, pray for him. And during the night, I got a phone call. And she woke up and he's crying, afraid to die. Will you come and see him? And I ran down the road and I walked in and I says, get out everybody. Everybody get out of this room. And I closed, I took him by the hand and I says, Bill, do you want to know the Savior? Yes. And I prayed with him and I led him to Christ and he died within the hour. But I had another one who had a terrible death and went out into eternity without Christ. Nabal, a man of Belial. Nabal, a wicked man. The word here, Belial, needs looked at. It's a it come, there's two words that make up Belial. And, and that's the word, belly is the first part. And listen to what it means. You ready? It's strange this. Belly is the first part of Belial. And it actually means to wear out, W-E-A-R, to wear something out. But it gives the idea to wear out a garment or to wear out a cloth. To wear out belly. For example, it means to wear out until it's destroyed. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, we read in verse 11, And he that is God, he hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also he hath set the world in their heart, so that no man can find out the work of God, the work God, that God maketh from the beginning to the end. Now, listen very carefully to this. He, God, has said, made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he hath set the world in their heart. The word world there is a word olam. And it actually means eternity. Eternity. Here we have God into time. And then in the hearts of men and women, he places eternity. In other words, why do you think there are so many religions? People are thinking, is there an afterlife? Is there a God? Why do you think there are men and women who are trying to fill the emptiness of the void in their heart? And so they try all manner of worldliness. They try relationship after relationship and it doesn't work. They try nightclubs and pubs and bars and and it doesn't work. They try alcohol and drugs and it doesn't work because they're feeding the flesh. And within them, there's a gaping void called the Oram. And this gaping void can only be satisfied can only be filled with the God who created it. 
Notice here, see the word. Also he hath set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. See the word that, T-H-A-T. You know what the word is there? Beli, as the start of Belial. So that no man, given the idea that no man can find out these things of God by himself. And so life wears you. The bundle of life wears you. It's like wearing a garment until it starts to become bally, as we would say, or threadbare, until it starts to come into destruction and it starts to get a hole and then a bigger hole and so on, until it's, you can't use it anymore. This is the idea here. It says, he hath made everything beautiful in his time so that also he hath set the world or eternity in their heart that no man, no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. No man. He wears himself out trying to work out God. He wears himself out, herself out, trying to figure it all out. Brothers and sisters, friends, you can try and figure him out all you want. And you can try and figure out eternity. And you can try with religion and ritual and statue barn and rosary or whatever you think it is. And you can try it for all of your life. And it will wear you out. And you'll never find out the work of God. The work of God and salvation must be wrought by God. Oh, how do I know if my heart is being worked on by God? You'll know. You'll know because conviction will come that you know that the word is right and the preacher is telling you the truth. This man, Nabal, as I said, his first part of his name is Bali and it means to wear out and by the way, in uh, Ephesians, pardon me, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, the first 10 verses are all about time. You can mark it and read it when you go home. All about time. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. And then in verse 2, a time to be born and a time to die. And there's a time and a time and a time and a time. The whole way through. Go offhand, there's about 30 times there. Roughly. From memory. And the first lot is all about time. It's the bundle of life. It's about here, your date of birth. We're going through it all, with or without Christ, and then the end. I don't know how far along that line I've got. And I don't know how far along that line I've come to. Oh, I know my age. But I don't know how far it is to the next destination. And neither did Nabal. Neither did Nabal. You and I, we are all wearing out. It's eternity, brother, sister. It's eternity, friend, that matters. In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 10 to 12, Hebrews 1 and 10 says, And thou, Lord, 
In the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. Verse 11, they shall perish, take note, they shall perish, but thou remainest, and they shall wax old as doth a garment. They'll wear out. The earth will wear out. The heavens will wear out. In fact, at this very moment in time, all we're hearing is climate change and all this green stuff. They say, we're wearing out. You know what the Word of God says? What the Apostle Paul tells us? The Apostle Paul tells us that the earth is groaning and in travail, looking for the manifestation of the sons of God. In eastern, pardon me, western United States, there's fires all over it. In the southern United States, there's been storms and tornadoes have wrecked it. In the eastern United States, floods have came and destroyed it. We can go over, look at all the volcanoes that are erupting. And they've always been erupting, but they're increasing. See, the earth is groaning in travail. The earth is like a woman who's about to give birth. About to give birth. And what is she waiting on? The earth is waiting on the manifestation of the sons of God. What does that mean? That means that the coming of Christ, when Christ comes and changes your vile body and my vile body, to be fashioned like unto his own glorious body. The earth is waiting and in travail for Jesus coming. Waiting for Jesus to split the sky. Maybe it tells us something that the very ground itself is more aware of the coming of Christ than many Christians. And so look, he is eternal. The world and the universe will wax old as doth a garment. Verse 12, And as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed, but thou art the same. This is going to change, but he is the same. Nabal was striving for the things that are going to change. Many men strive for this life, for the pleasures and for the loss of this life, this bundle of life. But they're going to die away. And the riches are off. Shall be burnt up and gone. Listen, it doesn't matter how rich you are. Everybody takes up a six foot hole in the ground. <laughs> and a shroud has no pockets. The word here, Bali is joined with the word Yaal, and it means to profit and to gain, to make up the word Belial. The actual word would be pronounced Bali Yaal, but we say Belial for our English rendering, Bali Yaal. And so in 1 Samuel 25, Nabal was a fool, foolish Nabal. He didn't know his time, his life, the fabric of it, the wearing thin. His last night on earth, in peace as it were, until his ten days stretch on a sick bed, was at hand, and little did he know it. All that he deemed profit, all that is loved by him, by his heart, all that he lived for, which he would find unprofitable, and even 
It was that which would finish him off. Abigail came and says, will you tell you something? Nabal, I gave David this, and I gave David that, and I gave David the other, and Nabal went, oh, took a heart attack when he found it all out. God spared him 10 days of grace. God spared him 10 days of grace. God was gracious to a man of Belial. It means he was a man of the devil. And God showed that he was just. God showed and he was justified when Nabal would stand before him and give an account for the rejection of his grace. Friend, if you've never heard that you need saved, you're hearing it tonight. And if you're not saved and sanctified to you and you ended up before God in eternity, God is justified in judging you because he's given you this night. If not others, he's given you this night. And he's given you this opportunity to get yourself right with him to be saved. So are you saved tonight? Are you saved? The last thread or fiber in the tapestry of the bundle of life had broken. Nabal was gone. Nabal was a fool. Psalm 14 and verse 1 and Psalm 53 and verse 1. The Psalms are basically exactly the same. But listen to what it says in verse 1. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Now, if you go home and you look up the Hebrew lexicon, you will find out in the concordance of it that you will find out the word fool, the fool hath said in his heart there is no God, you'll find out that the word fool is actually Nabal. Nabal. The Apostle Paul writes this in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 8. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having the promise of the life that now is, and of that which is to come. He's saying here, the bundle of life is not just this and it's over. The promise of life is in Christ Jesus in eternity. In heaven, in his kingdom, is the real and true bundle of life. Listen to an extract from a British soldier who was a prisoner of war and in Germany in World War I. Listen to an extract of his writing. I'll quote him. We should always be prepared to meet our maker. And I'm glad to say that ever since we first mobilized in August last, I have been prepared. So should everyone be especially those who have come through this campaign and seen hundreds of soldiers dying on every side of them. Their last words being a prayer to God to save them. Isn't that tremendous? 
Vain infidelity flees in the presence of eternity. That's how he finishes. Vain infidelity flees in the presence of eternity. Oh, may God, the Holy Ghost, show you the vain infidelity of man. I may show you, show you it in the light of eternity. In 1 Samuel 25 and verse 29, let's read our verse again. While you're turning, I'll get a drink. But this is important where we go. That's the introduction. Verse 29. 1 Samuel 25, verse 29. Yet a man is risen to pursue thee, to seek thy soul. There's worse than a man looking to seek the soul of man. The devil is looking to seek the soul. But greater than the devil to seek the soul of man is the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. And notice what he says here. But the soul of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of life with the Lord thy God. Notice the soul. The soul of my Lord, she says. In other words, David, your soul shall be bound in the bundle of life with the Lord thy God and the souls of thine enemies. Them shall he sling out as out of the middle of a sling. Now, Abigail is recognizing Saul, the king, is not God's choice, but David is. Abigail is recognizing the worth in David, the anointing on David, the calling on David, the kingship of David, when there's a man who is not the king pursuing his soul. Abigail could easily mark the difference between David and her husband, recognizing he, David, is not a man of Belial and is not a man of wickedness. Do you know what Abigail's name means? It's broken into two words, and one is the word of, which is actually the first letter in the Hebrew alphabet. That means father, of. And then the second one is gil. Gil, it means exaltation, and joy. This woman lived up to her name as she recognized the father in David. In other words, she recognized he was God's choice. He was God's man. Her name, Abigail, or Abigail, means my father is joy or shun. I realize whose father is exaltation. She's saying to David, your father is my father. And hence she is giving. She is giving David something from the Spirit of God. God will bind your soul in the bundle of life with the Lord your God. What a reassurance for David and what a reassurance for all of us who are saved tonight. Notice this. Abigail was making a difference or showing between especially Nabal and David. 
verse 30 of our reading, please. And it shall come to pass when the Lord shall have done to my Lord according to all the good that he hath spoken concerning thee and shall have appointed thee ruler over Israel. Notice, you're king. You're the right king. And then she says that this shall be no grief unto thee nor offense of heart unto my Lord, either that thou hast shed blood causeless or that my Lord hath avenged himself But when the Lord shall have dealt well with my Lord, then remember thine hand made. Here she's saying, God is with you and God will raise you up. God is with you and when God is, a bit like Joseph with the baker and the butler, remember me. And David remembers her. And when her husband's died later, he marries her. Note here, on 1 Samuel 25 and verse 29, Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown in their commentary says this. It's an Orientalism expressing the perfect security of David's life from all the assaults of his enemies under the protecting shield of providence who had destined him for high things. My brothers and sisters, Here she's saying, the Lord, the soul of my Lord, you, David, your soul will be bound up in the bundle of life with the Lord your God. In other words, she's saying, you're saved, you're safe, you're sure, and you're sealed. And God has you in his hand. Brothers and sisters, can we take that tonight? That David's greater son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whom we trust in whom paid our debt and saved us. We're saved tonight. Our soul is bound up in the bundle of life with the Lord our God. No man shall pluck us from his hand. No devil of hell, no scheme of man shall ever pluck me from his hand. So take notice here, please. The soul of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of life with the Lord thy God. See the word bound, bound here, bound in the bundle. It's the word raw, and it actually means adversary at times. It's used for a a negative context. Devil binds you. He binds you up. You're bound in mind. You're bound in heart. You're bound by sin. But here it is used in the positive where now you're bound up in Christ. We're bound, bound by the devil, you're set free, and now you're bound in the love of God. You're bound in his grace. You're bound by his mercy. The idea here is that you're bound because Christ has died for you. Bound. The word bundle needs to look at before we close. It's the word sir or. And it means actually a lot of different things in the scripture. In fact, the bundle, the English word bundle, it's used three times in the Old Testament and only one in the New Testament. So if you're writing, write these down, read them when you go home. First, this is chronological order now. The first is Genesis 42 and 35. There you will find a bundle of money. A bundle of money. Secondly, is our reading, 1 Samuel 25 and 9, a bundle of life. 
Thirdly, we'll find in the Song of Solomon, chapter 1 and verse 13, a bundle of myrrh. And then in Acts chapter 28 and verse 3, you will find a bundle of sticks. So the first one, briefly, is a bundle of money. I have to just talk about this because it would take too long. You read it when you go home. Genesis 42 and verse 35. Joseph is in Egypt. He's now elevated to, as it were, prime minister of Egypt. And some of the sons all go down into Egypt. And as they go down into Egypt, they're looking for corn because there's a famine and there's plenty in Egypt because of Joseph. You remember the dreams and all that happened there. And so because of that, Joseph realizes his brothers are without Benjamin, the youngest son of Jacob. So they say, go and get Benjamin, your other brother, and bring him back. Simeon is as a hostage, as it were. And so they go back to their father. In Genesis chapter 42 and verse 36, they tell Jacob of it, and he says, Joseph is not, not, thinks Joseph is dead, if you remember the story. Joseph is not, and Simeon is not, and ye will take Benjamin away. All these things are against me, he's crying. Joseph is not, and Simeon is not, and now you're going to take Benjamin away. Now note here, on their travels in, they looked in their sacks and they had their corn, and they found a bundle of money. A bundle of money. And brothers and sisters, it's stranger, is it not, that here it's to do with Jacob and his sons. They find a, a bundle of money. It's as though this money is to pay for some sort of ransom. To pay for the brothers. But the heart of Jacob is broken. Joseph is not, and Simeon is not. Now you'll take Benjamin away. I heard the laugh at one man in his writing. He says, Jacob is singing, No one loves me, this I know, for my misfortunes tell me so. When all along the love of God was toward him and his family. And really he could be singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Brothers and sisters, if you're writing, you write there, the death of Christ. The death of Christ. How on earth do you find the death of Christ in this? Because the ransom money was for the souls of the men. And in the gospel it tells us, Mark 8 and 36, for what shall a profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You cannot buy a soul. The death of Christ bought our soul. Only the death of Christ. Secondly and quickly, there's a bundle of myrrh. The bundle of myrrh. We're going to the third one in chronological instead of the second because of the way it's fitting with our reading. The bundle of myrrh is found in Song of Solomon chapter 1 and in verse 13. 
And you can write there the burial of Christ. You have the death of Christ, you have the burial of Christ in this one. You see, the Song of Solomon is a love song between Solomon and a Shunammite whose beliefs he came from Mount Ephraim or up where the northern kingdom was, where the ten tribes of Israel were and where they inhabited. And Solomon comes down. It was known then as the territory of Joseph or the region of Joseph because that Ephraim was Joseph's son with Manasseh. And the idea is that Solomon comes and he sees the Shunammite in her dirty ground and her tattered clothes. And instead of pushing her away, the regal king stops and he brings her into his palace, into his banqueting house and under his table. She feasts at his table. He washes her. He cleans her and he clothes her. And in the Song of Solomon, she's looking in the palace and there are these beautiful curtains that are blowing. Now she looks at them, she looks at herself and who she was before Solomon came to rescue her. And she says, I am as the curtains of Kedar or the tents of Kedar. And they were the drapes that hang down like a tent. And they took them up and they took them in their journeys and they set them. They could have been sitting there for a year or two and they lived in them and there was fires in them and there was smoke all everywhere and they were battered and they were bruised and they were worn out like material. And here she says, that's me with the sin of this life and the bundle that I have. I am as the tents of Kedar. Unworthy. Dirty and vile, useless and helpless. Looking at the curtains, I am as the curtain tanks of Kedar. And then she realizes that Solomon has washed her, that Solomon has clothed her, that Solomon has fed her. I am as the tents of Kedar. And looking at herself now, as the bride of Solomon, she says, I am as the tents of Kedar, as the curtains of Solomon. Christian tonight, blood washed, you're as the curtains of Solomon tonight. He brought me into his banqueting house and his banner over me is, what is it? It's love. And this young Shunammite woman, she finds that between her breasts at night, she got a bundle of mare and they're hanging it, give her peace. And she laid her head down to sleep on her bed. And the aroma would help her. The bundle of mare, she likens it on to Solomon. She likens it on to him. Every remembrance of this mare or every smell of this mare is like a remembrance to him. And she could be reminded of her beloved as she lays her head in peace and in safety and in security. And listen, why do you write the death of Christ? At his birth, they brought him gold and frankincense and myrrh. And at his death, they came to anoint his body with myrrh. When I read of myrrh, you know what the Christ of? Reminds me of the lover of my soul. Reminds me of the Christ who died for me and went to the tomb for me. I better move quickly. Bear with me for another few minutes. That usually means about 10. Myrrh speaks of suffering. Suffering. And 1 Peter 3, 
In verse 18, he says, For Christ also hath once suffered for, the, for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. And the mirror reminds me of my great Solomon. Now the, the song is between his redeemed elect. It's between the bride, as it were, you and I and our great Solomon Christ. And so she can rest her head in peace. For Psalm 23 and verse 4 tells us, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Christ died for our sins. And there we can find peace. The third bundle, briefly. Remember the bundle that's or in our reading? It's the one from our reading. The soul of my Lord is bound up in the bundle of the Lord his God. The bundle here, it's a really strange word. It took me a while to try and work my way around it. I don't know many commentaries I looked and no one was talking about it. None were talking about it. I have a full library. I even went online. Couldn't find anybody really speaking a lot about it. Says, Lord, what, what, this means more than this. And I looked this word up. And I looked every verse where the words or for bundle is, and it means other words in the scripture. And I studied through them. For example, in Amos 9 and 9, Amos is speaking, he's from Judah in the north, south, he's going to the northern kingdom, and he's speaking, their judgment is coming upon them. And God will scatter them and take them away into Assyria. By the Assyrians, they'd start their westward track. Listen to what he says. For lo, I will command and I will sift the house of Israel among the nations like a corn is sifted in a sieve. Yet shall not the least grain fall upon the earth. You know why I find it so difficult to work this out? Because see the word grain, G-R-A-I-N. It's the exact same word for bundle. Job 14 and 17 Job says, my transgression is sealed up in a bag and thou sowest up mine iniquities. See the word bag? It's the same word, say, or for bundle. I go, Lord, what? I can't get this, Lord. What, 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 is the, what is the depth of this word? And I searched it and I sought it and eventually I think I got it. You see, friend, brother, sister, this word, or, means to be bound up, but it gives the idea, you ready, of a small stone or a smooth pebble. David would have known about that. Gives the idea of a grain of wheat or a kernel. It gives the idea also to be sewn up and put in a bag. David would have known about that when he took the five smooth stones, killed Goliath one, and put the four in his bag. And when Job says, you sealed up in a bag, my transgression is sealed up in a bag. You know what he's saying? Lord, my transgressions, my sin, all of who I am and all that I have done is sealed up in you, Lord. You have taken it away. That Christ has carried away our sins. We are sealed up in him. We have life in Christ, resurrection life, an abundant life, eternal life, everlasting life. And we're bound up with him. Our souls are gathered like 
grains of wheat. Not chaff. Wheat. Gathered up and sealed in his bag as it were. For the soul of the Lord, my God, shall be bound up in the bundle of life. Bound up among the living, it means. With Jehovah Elohim. Fourth, and this is quick. In Acts chapter 28, Paul has been shipwrecked and they're on the island. And they light a fire, and just for time's sake. And he gathers a bundle of sticks for the fire. And when he gathers the bundle of sticks, it says he laid them on the fire. It says, and the viper came out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And then in Acts 28 and verse 5, it says, and he shook the beast into the fire. And there was no hurt on him. Shook the beast into the fire. So this viper, you know in Matthew 3 and 7, John the Baptist, also John the Baptist in Luke 3 and 7, the Lord Jesus in Matthew 12 and 34, and in Matthew 23 and 33, says to the Pharisees and the scribes, the Jewish leaders of the day, and he does, he gives them eight woes in Matthew 23. Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. John the Baptist in Christ, and I take this from Matthew 23 and verse 33. He calls them ye serpents, ye generation of vipers. How can you escape, he says, the damnation of hell? See the word damnation? It's the word klesis. And the word klesis means the judgment that will put you to hell. How are you going to escape it? Can I ask you, friend, if you're not saved tonight, how will you escape the klesis? that will damn you to hell because you've rejected Christ. How will you escape the judgment, the damnation of it, the condemnation that will throw you into hell? Here's the good news. In Revelation 20 and 2, the serpent is bound up for a thousand years. In Revelation 20 and verse 10, the serpent is then cast into the lake of fire. And as Paul shook the beast and threw it into the fire, So Christ has crushed his head and on that day he will throw the serpent, the devil, into the fire. But also those who are not written in the book of life will find that they are thrown into the lake of fire too. You and I are bound up with Christ in the bundle of life that's eternal. The enemies will be cast out like a slave. And you and I are hid with Christ in God. He's got you, as it were, in his bag. He's got you gathered in his pouch in the security under the blood. Billy, sing that blood one again, would you? Come up and sing it. Brothers and sisters, we have a lot to rejoice about. We have a lot to give thanks for. 
And I trust if you're not saved tonight, you won't leave the precincts of here without talking to me or one of the elders or someone, someone. Please don't leave without that. Don't worry about them leaving. They're going to put the kettle on for you for a cup of tea afterwards. That's where they're going. That's okay. But don't leave here tonight. I want you to fix your mind for a moment. I want you this way. Look at me a wee minute. This way. I'm not much to look at. I put my nice suit on. It helps a little. This way. I'll keep your attention, please. This is important. I know it's been long, and I know. Look, I know I'm long-winded every week. Are you saved? Go ahead, Billy. Are you thankful for the blood, Christian? <laughs>